Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ballify NBA Podcast. I'm your host, Dino on the mic, and I'm here with my co-host. Introduce yourself. Stefan, what's up guys? Hey, and we are out in the six with our woes. Um, CN Towers right behind us. Uh, the Ballify boys went out to the Raptors and Blazers game last night, and uh, we're going to touch on that, um, as well as many other topics. But f- before we get to that, we are sponsored by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the world-leading search engine for sports, concert, theater, and live entertainment tickets. SeatGeek extracts data from over 100 primary and secondary ticket providers within seconds to give you the best possible deal for your ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app or visit SeatGeek.com and enter promo code BALLIFY. That's B-A-L-L-I-F-Y in all caps for $20 off your first purchase. You can find our show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts including anchor this gives you the opportunity to financially support our show and call into the show if you'd like to be a live participant make sure you keep up to date with us um on twitter that's at ballify nba um so it's only it's a skeleton crew today only me and stefan jordan is really literally out in the six running uh (laughs) he's left but um, yeah, so we are still committed to giving you guys a show, and uh, here we go. Let's just get into it. We're gonna start with uh, the Raptors versus Blazers game last night. Um, Raptors winning on a game-winning shot by Kawhi. Um, what did you think about the overall experience and uh, the game itself? It was actually it was a really good game, honestly. Um, I'm always a big fan of offense. Uh, when you have Portland coming into town, you know it's going to be a good offensive game. Uh, I mean, Lillard and McCollum, just watching them live, they're, they're so skilled and talented offensively. McCollum, he just knocked down shot after shot, no matter who you had on him. Even when Kawhi was on him, too, he's just drilling big shots. And... Um, most of his points, too, didn't even come from the free throw, nothing like that. He was just off the dribble, uh, kind of catch and go. He's just such a good player. Um, and Lillard, too. Lillard, I think closer to the end of the game there when they were down, he kind of took it upon himself and just took over the scoring for the Blazers. Um, but I think it kind of shows you that the Blazers themselves is really CJ and Dame. A little bit of Nurkic, too, but they don't really have anyone else that can shoulder the scoring load. It's kind of them, or, you know, they got some random points here and there, but there wasn't oh, much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it w- one thing that would have been nice is uh, having Ennis Cantor. I think the game might have been a little bit different if he was there. Uh, but, no, overall, good game, good atmosphere. Uh, the Toronto fan base is always one of the biggest ones. Uh, they're always loud, always cheering for their team. Uh, we the North, you know, it's, it's always a good atmosphere there. So, we knew it was going to be... Uh, it's going to be really fun, but definitely watching the Blazers. Very, very good game. 119-117 win for the Raptors. Um, yeah, this game was, uh, it was like up and down. Like It was close in the first quarter, um, but Toronto was ahead by, I think, it was 31-24 to at the end of the first. And then the second quarter, they kind of like, ran away with not ran away with it but the lead increased and same thing in the third quarter so I was kind of disappointed at one point I was almost cheering for the Blazers um like just to just for them to make it like a close exciting game and then like that happened McCollum just kept them alive in the third quarter he finished with 35 points um playing 40 minutes uh yeah it was, it was amazing to see um, him, his mid-range game and just him like keeping the game alive um, I found I like have a new found respect for McCollum um, yeah great offensive player and as I said his mid-range game is on point and then fourth quarter it was Dame time uh, he had a rough game he finished with just 24 um, 37 minutes but 
he he hit some big shots late, big threes. He had three clutch free throws to tie the game with 12 seconds left. Um, and yeah, as, as the game went on, um, the, the atmosphere in the arena could really be felt because it, it did turn into a close game and everyone got really into it and it was just really fun to be there. And then, uh, yeah, last play of the game, Kawhi hit that hit that shot um, from the baseline um, to seal the deal. And uh, yeah, went nuts. I literally took off my shirt, waved it around, <laughs> was jumping up and down. It was just amazing to be there and to actually like experience that game winner live. Um, uh, our crew went to a game last year against Milwaukee. Uh, it was very exciting as well. The game went to overtime. Unfortunately, the Raptors lost. And we say that not... Uh, well, I mean, I'll speak for myself. Uh, I cheer for the Raptors just because they're in Canada. Um, so I, I was cheering for them both these games. But I've also been to other games where uh, they were playing like LeBron and this or the Sixers. And I've cheered for them. Um, not as exciting games, but the ones that we've been to, definitely great atmosphere. And uh, yeah, hopefully if we go to a game again next year, we can experience something like that again. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, the the Bucks and the Raptors game last year was definitely pretty good. Um, I honestly thought the game that we went to last night, the one with the Blazers, I thought that one was going to go to overtime. Mm -hmm. uh, but Kawhi, that last minute shot was pretty good. Uh, it was kind of a, there was less of, of a burden if he took that shot because the game was tied. So if he missed it, it would have just been to overtime. So I guess he had a little bit more uh, cushion in terms of uh, taking that shot. But still a very nice shot. Good defense on the last shot too. It's just Kawhi, his offense beat that good defense. And um, yeah, it was a good shot. Uh, good game. The crowd went wild. Uh, I think Lillard still had a, a last-minute jumper. I missed it because I was too busy cheering. But <laughs> yeah, apparently there was still a like heave a from full court to try and uh, well, I guess go for the win. Yeah, because I guess there was only like a second or yeah. one or two seconds left on the shot clock after Kawhi's um, Kawhi's shot. But um, no, I mean the Raptors they didn't even bother calling a timeout. They just went down the court, gave the ball to Kawhi. Uh, put him in ISO, let him do his thing, and you know he scored the shot. So, uh, you know, having that the crowd cheering, the love from Toronto, hopefully, kind of convinces Kawhi to stay. But <laughs> that's that's something we'll have to wait and see. We are saying this as we uh, sit here um, in our Airbnb, and we see that there's like it's just like snowing so much. Uh, it's not that cold out, but it's snowing. I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'd rather be in California at this time of year. Yep. So, uh, I, I don't know if he'll stay. Maybe uh, um, that shot and the passion with, of the crowd is a step towards that. But, um, yeah, I, I was just happy to see that live. And, uh, yeah, he one thing about Kawhi, like I noticed live, like he, like they ISO him a lot. And... Um, like, yeah, their, their offense is a lot of ball movement, but I feel like at the end of the day when they need a bucket, um, they give it to Kawhi, let, it, let him do his thing. And Kawhi, he had 38 last night. So, yeah, is very efficient, too. Um, very impressive to see. I think it kind of shows, too, how Kawhi has grown because when he first came into the league, he was known just as a defensive player. Um, who could kind of slash, but then watching him now, he has this, he has developed his offensive game so nicely. He has a nice mid-range shot, good three-point shooter, high percentages from, from those two, high percentage free throw shooter. He's just such a polished player now who can not only contend for defensive player every year, but he can also be in the MVP conversation, and there's not that many players who can do that nowadays. So it just shows really how good of an overall player he is and how valuable he can really be to your team. Agreed, agreed. And he's joining a team that won 59 games last year. I wonder how he'll fit. Like, I'm assuming he'll go to the Clippers next year. Like, let's say he goes to the Clippers and the Clippers right now fighting for a playoff spot. 
Um, do you think he'll continue to have the success that he's having for Toronto this year, or do you think because he'll be on a, on a worse team that he won't fare as well? Uh, I think the Clippers are just a different team. I think the Clippers are more of an offensive system that doesn't really rely much on defense. So I think if that's the case, he might end up exerting more energy playing defense and kind of covering the other team's holes uh, defensively. So that might have an impact on his overall play. Uh, but, I mean, I, he'll still produce good offensive numbers, I think. I don't see that, uh, you know, dipping. I think it's just more he might um, exercise more energy kind of curving both uh, both sides. Because if you look at the Clippers, they don't really have that many good defenders. They had Avery Bradley, but they got rid of him. Um, they still have Beverly, um, some guys here and there, but... They're mainly an offensive <clears throat> system with guys like Lou Will, um, Gallinari. Uh, they also have Shai. He's, uh, he's growing to be a good offensive player. So if they were to add someone like Kawhi, um, I do think that a lot of the defense and a lot of the mistakes, he'll end up having to cover for that. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, he he's like a great defensive player, but he doesn't really necessarily have to show that in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they're such a good defensive team overall. And uh, Clippers, yeah, he'll probably have to carry the load more, both on offense and defense, and he'll be like the small forward that they just never had, especially in their recent history, like when they had CP3 and Blake Griffin, J.J. Redick, DeAndre Jordan, but they were just missing that three. So they would finally get him. Um but yeah, he, he's he's not on the Clippers. He uh, will see what happens in free agency. Um, but I, I do think he'll go there. I don't think there's a chance he goes to the Lakers, um, especially with all the, uh, the drama and negativity going on, especially of late, which leads us to our next topic, which is LeBron's lack of defense. Um, just on full display, especially against uh, the Memphis Grizzlies this week. Um, so there's video footage of LeBron just basically just roaming in the paint on defense, uh, not closing out on shooters, um, and then getting mad at his teammates it, as what it seems um, for not rotating. So um, what, what do you think about uh, like the Lakers situation with that and LeBron's defense specifically like do you think he this is something that he can work out do you think he's too old now to contribute that um yeah what are your thoughts well honestly the issue that's kind of happening right now is that LeBron has to do so much on the offensive side because although the Lakers have some good players the offense still has to go through him pretty much every time down the court I don't think uh it has to I think they can still have well, I know he's been hurt. When Lonzo comes back, he can run the offense. You have Rondo who can run the offense. But they're just asking so much from LeBron on the offensive end that he doesn't have time to put in all this energy on the defensive end. And it's kind of like what we were just talking about Kawhi. Um, the Lakers, defensively, they're not that good of a team. Um, you would expect them to be better, especially with some of the pieces that they have. Rondo's usually a good defender. They usually have JaVale um, kind of guarding the paint. So you would think that they would be uh, better on uh, on defense, but they're not. So you have LeBron, who's trying to you know do everything on the offensive side, and then when they come down on the other end of the court, he can't use all his energy to play defense. Um, usually, a lot of the good defense, good offensive players, <coughs> the good offensive talents, usually play at the three and at the four, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's where they'll put LeBron too, right? So he usually does end up being matched up with the the best player on the other side so having to guard the best player and then having to be the best player offensively for your own team especially in your like what year 14 15 16 and yeah year 16 he's a, he's an old man in terms of nba terms um so asking him to do all that is hard so it's either you have his offense that takes the hit or his defense that takes the hit and right now it's his, um, his defense that's kind of falling apart yeah, I think um, like fans and critics both have to just wake up and realize you can either get um, like goat level LeBron in the playoffs and have him sacrifice 
a bit of his defense in the season to get that, or you can have LeBron going full out in the season and then um, not not reaching the level that we know he can reach in the playoffs. So just, just choose one. Um, and I think LeBron, he's making the right choice in terms of um, pacing himself in the season and then being able to go full out in the playoffs. Um, it just does not look good. <laughs> it does not look good on video when he's just standing there. But at the same time, he, he, he is year 16. He's 34. He should be well out of his prime by now. If you look at everyone else in his draft class, like the only other, like Dwayne Wade is retiring, you know, Carmelo's out of the league. Um, Chris Bosch is gone. Like, Kyle Korver was in his draft class, and he, he still, like, I guess contributes, but nowhere near to the level as LeBron. So he what we've seen from LeBron, um, like, in recent years, like, we've kind of been, I think, spoiled almost. Um, and I think at this point, it's almost a, a wake-up call to realize that this guy, yes, he's human, and he's not going to be the greatest player in the league forever. I think I personally think he's the greatest of all time, but he, he yes, he, he is on the decline, um, especially when it comes to the regular season. You're not gonna necessarily see his uh, his full strength there, as he saves his energy for the playoffs. So, what can I, I don't know if you got, like if people can expect anything different. Um, you can say yeah, lack of effort, but. You, he adds more effort to close on, out on those shooters. He's 34. He risks injury. He risks load management, games off. He, you know, he risks just not being able to go full out when they actually need him the most. So I think you, you take what you, what you get with LeBron now at age 34. Lakers knew that he was turning 34 and they signed him to a four-year deal. That's on them. Um, so you just take what you can get. And I, I do think LeBron is still the best player in the league when he's playing at the top of his game. However, I think in the regular season, you, you got to give it to younger guys. Um, I think especially Giannis this year uh, stands out as the, the best player this year. Um, like, I mean, we'll have to see what he does in the playoffs. He still hasn't proven anything there. Um, and that's where I give the edge to LeBron overall. However, um, I don't think anyone can realistically look at LeBron's season um, if, if they look at things outside of the box score and actually look at his game and say that he's still like the best player or more, most dominant player. Well, the issue with LeBron pacing himself is now he's kind of pacing himself, and I know he was hurt. Uh, but now they're kind of out of the playoff contention. So now you're kind of asking yourself, does he have enough in the tank to carry his team over the hump and bring him back to a playoff uh, spot? Because now they're 10th in the, in the West. Uh, so, you know, other teams are also winning. It's not like the teams around them are, are doing horrible. Those teams are actually just as... Some of them are on a hot streak right now. Mm -hmm. The Kings are playing well. Uh, so you ask yourself, yes, he was pacing himself, but... Um, should he have pushed this off even more? I know they were in the fourth spot um, earlier this year. Um, so that was pretty good. And then obviously he went down. But mm -hmm. you just have to ask yourself now, what can LeBron really do to bring his team over the edge? Because at the end of the day, that's exactly what he has to do. He has to take that offensive load. He has to help out on defense. He has to be the one carrying his team. You can't really ask that from Ingram, from Alonzo, Kuzma. Those guys are still young. They're not there yet. So he has to be the one who, who you know, puts all of this offensive and defensive load on his shoulders and carries them over to that eighth seed. So he's getting old. Um, I know he's still playing <coughs> decently high minutes. So will his body, will he be able to, to carry them over to the eighth seed? We'll just have to wait and see. See, that's where I disagree um, with the point on LeBron will have to be the one to carry his team. Like, why can't his team carry him for once? This guy's 34. Like, why? First of all, I apologize for my voice. Like, I, I was just <laughs> yelling and screaming at the game, like, all game last night. Um, but anyways, like, 
LeBron, um, yeah, he's he's 34. Like, why does he have to be the one carrying the team? There's plenty of young guys on the team. There's other veterans that they sign. Um, yeah, he's the best player, but it's like this team can't do anything without him. Brandon Ingram finally has woken up in the past few weeks. Is it too much of us to ask for him to do that all year? Why? He's not a rookie. This is his third year in the league. Like, yeah, he's young, but I don't think it's too much to ask of of a guy like Ingram to step up uh, more with the scoring load and just be more consistent. Um, same with other guys. Kuzma is much more consistent scoring-wise. Um, however, he, he has to um, improve up in other facets of his game, I think. Um... But, yeah, I just think it's to the point where why why is it like the way LeBron goes, the way the team goes? I feel like there's enough talent on that roster for them, for LeBron to be able to have bad games and have the team still win. Like, why can't LeBron be carried for once? Well, he's the leader of that team. Um, those guys are young. I'm sure in a few years they'll be asked to, to carry a bigger load, but they're still learning their roles. Kuzma's a sophomore player. You can't really ask him to, you know, carry your team to the playoffs. Obviously, yes, they have to put apart. They have to, to help out. But you can't really ask them to carry the load. Because by that logic, then at that point, um, you wouldn't be able to ask James Harden to carry the load. You can ask, you can put the blame on Chris Ball. You can put the blame on other players if they're not carrying, you know, if they're not um, putting in their own weight. Uh, but I think he's just he's the leader of that team. He's the, the best player in the NBA. Whether it's unfair or not, I understand kind of that point, but it's just something that is expected from the best player right now uh, to help out your team. But he's uh, 34. Yeah, he's, I guess he's still the best, but like, can we really expect a guy year 16 that has been to the playoffs like... Every, almost every year except for his first couple of seasons um, he's played in like multiple Olympics you know um, gone to the finals eight straight years this guy has so much mileage on his body I don't know how we can realistically expect him to to play at the level he did in last playoffs like for the rest of the season but that's not really an argument you can make because there hasn't been a decline in any of his numbers, really. I'm sure if you look at the more in-depth defensive stats, uh, you might see a dip. But he's still yeah. averaging the same offensive numbers. Uh, there hasn't really been a change in the overall numbers. So you ask yourself, yes, he's getting older, but he's actually performing um, fairly at the same level that he's always been. Right? So it's not like he... <coughs> He can't. I don't think it's a question of he he can't perform like he used to. I think now he's kind of just more picking and choosing what he what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do. I think it's a good point with the numbers. I just think it goes a bit beyond that because, yeah, as you said, defensive numbers for one. Um, I'm sure you can look at that and see a decline, and also. If um, he keeps putting up these numbers, like the, does that decrease the chances of him staying healthy? I mean, he's when you play him 38 to 40 minutes a game at age 34, year 16, um, I think you're, you're, you're risking injury, unfortunately. Almost like Kobe's last year where the, he was playing like nearly full games. And then blows out his Achilles. I, I I don't wish that upon LeBron or anyone else, but um, I think like yeah, you can you can look at the offensive numbers and see they're still there. But when you look at him in like speaking physically, you can realize that he's not the same dominant player um, in terms of physicality. Like he's not just driving by everyone and dunking on everyone anymore. It's like in half court sets. He, he's not doing that he you know he's become a smarter player overall and his skills have increased which I think makes up for the decrease in his physicality but yeah father time is undefeated and that um, his physical gifts are only going to decline more and more as the not only as the years go by but I feel like 
as the we're as the season goes by, they're burning out LeBron. They're just to get into the playoffs to do what to lose to the Warriors first round. I almost seek Paul Pierce's point of they could just rest LeBron, <laughs> shut him down almost. Like, what's the point? Just adding more mileage, go ahead. No, they are. I mean, I don't see them shutting down LeBron at all. Um, not the Lakers, uh, not that franchise. Um, I think right now they're, they they'll probably will increase the intensity to try and push for that eighth seed. But even then, if they make the eighth seeds, like, what, like you said, what's going what's gonna to happen? They're going to play against the Warriors... Might win one game, maybe. You know, either way, I don't think that's gonna help LeBron's legacy by any means. Having the record that they they've been eight seed and then you know potentially swept by the the Warriors. So either way, this season is not gonna be a good ending for the Lakers, no matter what. So it might be a good point to actually conserve LeBron and try and rethink kind of what's going on with their roster right now in which direction they need to go maybe it's the coach maybe it's some players uh, but either way whether they make the playoffs or not I just don't see them getting past the first round so maybe it's just time to, to reconsider another option at this point and I, I think a lot of that doesn't fall on LeBron I think a lot of that falls on management um, Magic Johnson I mean we documented that terrible trade for Mike Muscala last week um, just this roster is, is just so flawed you sign LeBron and then you sign a bunch of people that can't shoot it just like it hurts my head like just thinking like there's no logic and then you try and reverse that at the trade deadline by Bullock and Muscala credit to Bullock I mean he, he's like shooting the ball fairly well yeah, he took over the like, starting job took over starting job for from Rondo um, but that's clearly not leading to more wins and they actually won uh, a couple nights ago against the Pelicans starting Rondo so we'll see how that goes going forward but um, yeah I think that just the roster is flawed um, management has to go I think the only good thing that management for the Lakers have done in the past few years has been I guess signing LeBron and drafting Kuzma, everything else has been a mistake. Everything else has been a miss. And that's unfortunate. And maybe they'll be able to um, hit on a free agent this summer, but that's looking less and less likely. Um, Like with Durant's comments, Kawhi probably going to the Clippers, AD requesting a trade, but it seems like the Pelicans are set on not giving him to the Lakers. So it's becoming less and less likely. But another guy that could end up in the Lakers, which leads us to our next topic, is Kyrie. Not saying he will, um, but there's definitely rumors of, you know, when he called LeBron to apologize earlier this season that maybe they could reunite. And we'll see what happens with that. But it leads us to our next topic, which is uh, the Celtics. Um... Celtics right now, they're sitting fifth in the Eastern Conference. Yes, they came off a win last night, but they're 38-25. and 25, And everyone, ex- most people expected at the beginning of the season that they're by far the best team in the Eastern Conference. Um, they're sitting in fifth. I mean, they wouldn't even have home court advantage. It's just a mess. You got players talking about it's not fun to play. We're not playing together. Um, Brad Stevens was hailed as like the next greatest coach in the league. Now it doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing with the amount of talent he has. Um, so it's it's a mess in uh, in Boston. Um, what do you think about um, the Celtics' prospects going forward and uh, just this whole mess overall? It's I think mess is the perfect word. It's just so first off. You're paying a guy $30 million a year to give you 10 points per game. Wait, Hayward? His contract, four-year, $128 million, and he's giving you 10 points per game, about four rebounds and three assists. That's overpaying a player. And that's in 26 minutes per game. Wow. That's <clears throat> awful. There's just too much going on on this team. Uh, too much. There's not enough minutes to go around. Uh, they really need to reconsider what's going on right now. And you kind of have to put yourself to 
in the shoes of the Celtics players because last year they got pretty deep into the playoffs. They went on a good run without Kyrie and Hayward. And now that those guys are back, they're kind of taking over the minutes. And then you got to ask yourself if you're a Celtics player, why are those guys taking over my minutes when I'm the one who actually earned the playing time from how I played last year in the playoffs? So I think it's just a question of, I don't think there's any bad blood in between the players individually, like personally. I think it's just more in terms of on the court when they're playing with each other. Because everyone wants to play, everyone wants to prove themselves, especially the younger players. Mm-hmm. Tatum wants to prove that he's a good player. Jalen Brown wants to prove that he's a good player. Rozier, smart. Um, they all want to show what they're worth. But then you have guys like Kyrie and Hayward, who just because of their name and because of what they've accomplished in the past, they're going to be taking over some minutes too. Um, if I was someone like Marcus Smart or, or Jalen Brown, and I see Gordon Hayward, who's having the same minutes, performing less than I am, and he's making $30 million, I'd be pretty upset too. So I think it's just a question of there's no chemistry there. Um, there really isn't a clear leader. I know Kyrie it has been trying to put himself as the leader of this team, but he's proven time and time that he's not a good leader. Um, and without a leader, your team will only go so far in the playoffs. Um, I wouldn't really trust Boston in the playoffs uh, to go that far. There's just there's too much going on here, uh, so it's just it's a mess. They do need to kind of clear and have some set roles um, for each player, so that each player knows exactly what is expected of them. Because right now it's just kind of throwing them to the wolves and then letting them fend for themselves. Whoever plays well that night, good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's just no clear role. Players don't really know what's expected of them, uh, so it's just. It's it's a big mess. It's a mess. <clears throat> yeah, this um, it's actually documented. I, I I predicted this at the beginning of the season with the with Kyrie and Hayward coming back. Everyone was hyped as to oh, there's no like they're gonna be so much better, even better than they were last year, and they made it to the conference finals. Um, whereas I thought that the addition of Kyrie and Hayward would only take away from. The, the growth of the younger guys and like the playing time of the guys that got them there and so I don't think it's like you're just adding to to I guess max level players to a roster and um, adding it on top of a of a Eastern Conference Finals team I think that actually takes away from some of the guys that got you there and that's happening that's that's literally happening like Terry Rozier is not the same player he was last year Jason Tatum, everyone was expecting this superstar leap based on a pretty small sample of 18 games in the playoffs compared to the 82 he played before. Um, I never bought into Jason Tatum. Um, yes, he's a great young player. with uh, He's got great potential. Um, but on a team like the Celtics, where you're stacked from top to bottom... Um, and with Kyrie being the the undisputed number one option, like what else, what can he contribute? He's he's a scorer, and you are and you have Kyrie for that. Not to mention everyone else on the team that wants their shots. So, I think it's just it's 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 a situation of where there's there's only one basketball, and it's really hurting them. Um, I think Brad Stevens. Uh, it's a this is a challenge that he's never really faced in his career I think that he's um, he's always kind of coached underdog teams and brought them to success like even when Isaiah Thomas was on the team nobody expected that that team to go as far as it did Um, and now that he's got uh, a fully healthy roster Kyrie Hayward Tatum Rozier Horford um, Brown Marcus Smart it's just it's just too much. Like he's not really had to coach a team this well put together before, and a lot of that is uh, it comes to managing egos, managing playing time, managing touches. Uh, it's a lot to juggle for a coach, especially when it's their first time having to do that. Um, we've seen other coaches, uh, like like a David Blatt, for example, not be the most successful doing that when he was coaching the Cavs 
having to manage um, their big three. Um, and and uh, Stevens has to manage even more than that, in my opinion, with how, how good this roster is on paper. Um, but they are very much lacking a leader to put that all together. I don't think Kyrie is that guy. I think... Um, when he when he requested a trade, this is not necessarily what he wanted. Boston wasn't on his list, but the Knicks were. The Knicks that were terrible last year were on his list. I think he wants his own team, and yeah, it's it's Kyrie's team, but he has he has so much talent around him that I don't know. This is not the situation he wanted. Um, where he's he's the main guy and the undisputed main guy um, that gets to gets to be what LeBron is to other teams. And you got to think about it too that now that you know there's so much ambiguity in terms of what's going on with Kyrie, whether he's leaving or not, that means that right now there's a chance for other Boston players to step up and you know take ownership of the team. So now you're kind of stuck in between. Kyrie is still trying to prove that this is his team and then players knowing that Kyrie might leave so they want to take ownership of the team so you have players going for the same kind of leadership role the same position within the, within the team so it's just there's a lot there's lots going on and it's just it's hard to kind of decipher you know who's doing what um, you kind of see it Rozier is going to come in he'll take over and then you tell yourself well you know maybe he should be in the starting starting lineup and you have Jalen Brown, who then, you know, he'll have some hot stretches, Jason Tatum. It's not that these players are bad. It's just that they all want to play. They all want to prove themselves, especially the younger guys. And then they look up at someone like Kyrie, who, you know, then goes to the media and, you know, uh, kind of calls them out. And it's just lack of leadership, lack of roles. Um, Brad Stevens, yes, you know, he's proven that he can do good things not with a lot of you know a, a big roster with big names but mm-hmm. I think this is kind of proving to be a little bit too much for him um, you would think that it would be a good problem to have to have all those star players star power but uh, I think it's just proving to be too much for him this year it, it is too much for him um, it's too much for him Celtics again sitting in fifth and a team that's not even doing as well as that is the Miami Heat, uh, sitting in 10th at 27 and 34, transitioning to our next topic, um, which is Dwayne Wade. And, um, you know, he hit an amazing game winner earlier this week against the Warriors, uh, a three to win the game, banked it off the backboard to win from the the top of the arc um amazing shot amazing shot especially which is an amazing story overall in his last year um what he's still able to bring to the game um and still able to have big moments like that so my question is should Dwayne Wade reconsider retiring this year no I think it should be his last year um he's had such a good career I think at this point, he has nothing left to prove. Uh, if you kind of look at what's going on with Dirk and, and the Mavericks too, I think it's kind of just sad to see those players who've had such great careers dwindle down until they basically can't move. I mean, mm-hmm. watching Dirk run up the court like a little <laughs> joke, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad looking. Barely make it up and down. <laughs> yeah, you can barely make it up and down the court. I mean, I think at that point, you're just kind of risking potential of injury. Um, <coughs> The Heat, it's not like they're, you know, always in, in the top playoff contention and they need that veteran presence to bring them over the edge. No, they're they're always battling for a lower seed. They're not really planning on going anywhere this year. So I don't think they should keep Wade um, if he comes back. I don't think he should be in Miami. I know that he's usually a, a hometown guy. Um, he's always, even though he's been on other teams, I think he's, proven his loyalty to the Heat on multiple occasions, um, but he's had such a great career, he doesn't really need to prove anything to the Miami Heat fans, um, I think he should kind of, you know, this year be his last year, leave the NBA with his head up high, 
um, with all the accolades, the all-stars, the, the finals. He's done so much. I think he'll go down as probably one of the at least top five shooting guards um, in NBA history. Um, I just think that, you know, this year, even watching him this year, he you could tell that there's been a big, big decline in his level of playing. He's just not the same player. Um, the Heat, I understand why people still want Dwayne Wade to play. When you, you see a player who's been a mainstay with your team for so long, you get that level, level of attachment. So I know that he probably still loves playing. The fans love, um, you know, the, the D-Wade. Uh, probably not, like I said, the same level of play, but they like Dwayne Wade as a player himself. So there's still some attachment there, but um, I just think this year should be his last year. I think big picture, when you take into account other factors outside of basketball, like your family and that, like, I mean, Dwayne Wade, he's had a successful career, um, and I think, yeah, he could hang it up now, or I guess at the end of the year, and just focus on other things in life, but I think just focusing on basketball, I, I do think he has a lot left in the tank. Um, I think he's one of the guys that has, like, he's accepted what he is now, unlike Melo, and he has, like, he was realistically at the beginning of last season in the conversation for six men of the year, um, leading this, the Cavs second unit, um, when they went on, I think it was almost, it was like a 19-3 and three stretch, um, yeah, and, and this year even, like, yeah, he's accepted his role um, off the bench for the Heat, and I think he he's doing that well. Um, I think he still has a few years left, and not even just because of this game winner. I think just overall, his skill set is something that ages pretty well. Um, his ability to hit mid-range shots, to post up smaller guards, to fade away, uh, to still finish at the rim... Um, I think he, he's got uh, he's got great footwork um, all of that stuff ages well so um, I think he should seriously consider staying in the league until his son comes into the league and potentially okay now you're kidding no <laughs> his his son is uh, I think he's a junior in high school maybe a senior um, so that's like two more years it's like two, three more years, I think. And what, Wade will be 39 by then? I think it's realistic. No, I don't think it's realistic. Come on. I mean, I understand that he's still you know, playing at a certain level. He's still contributing. They were getting 14 points. Um, a couple rebounds, a couple assists this year. But I don't know. I, I think it's just it's a matter of, of, of time at this point. Like I said, we've already seen a big decline in his play. Um... I just don't understand why. I think it's more in terms of an attachment to the NBA, to the league, as to why some players stay longer than you know is expected. I mean, if you're still contributing at you know LeBron's level, that's kind of different. But I mean, yeah, I understand he has a he's carved himself out a certain role with the Heat. But I think even for the Heat organization itself too, it might be a good good idea to move away from that, uh, start fresh, because uh, they've kind of just been sticking the place up these past couple of years. So. I mean, it's not a bad idea to start fresh and kind of see where they can go. Wade is averaging 14 points a game, four assists. He, for 30, I think he, he's 36, maybe going 37 this year. Like, that's really good. I think he still has a lot left in the tank. The Miami Heat right now, they're only about like 20.5. They're a game and a half out of eight. So they're still pushing for the playoffs here. His team is still competitive. He's still scoring 14 a game with four assists. Like, I think he's four rebounds as well. Um, I, I think he has a lot left in the tank. I think the Miami Heat don't have much going for them in terms of future assets. Uh, draft picks given away. Um... You know, they, they don't really have, like, a young player that is going to be their guy, their undisputed guy going forward, necessarily on the team right now. So I think even to sell tickets, it's it'll be good for the franchise to have him there. Um, 
So I think all of that, just speaking basketball-wise, I think it, it makes sense for him to stay stay playing um, for another, I'd say, like, maybe until he's 39 or 40. One of his nicknames, as, as I'm looking at reference uh, basketballreference.com right now, is actually Father Prime. <laughs> Father Prime. So yeah, Father, I think Father Prime should keep playing until that name um, doesn't make sense anymore, because right now it definitely does. Um, he can still come up big in the clutch, as we've seen. Um, still just like, he's one of the Heat's best players. Um, I think he should play for a few more years. Um, but someone else that will be playing for many, many, many more years um, is my guy Ben Simmons, who is having a great year here. Uh, I think he's at 69 and 8 for the year. Um, but a great debate that we've had off the mic is. Um, does does Simmons need a three-point shot? Um, he's shot, I think now two, two three-point shots in which he wasn't um, just heaving it at the end of the, the quarter or something like that. So he shot one against the Lakers with LeBron's disrespectful defense just sitting in the paint, um, bricked it heavily. And then he shot another one against the Pelicans also with uh, the defense just sagging right off of him and also bricked it. So, uh... Let's open up the debate here. Does Simmons need a three-point shot? I think he does, just to keep teams um, honest. We've seen some players um, who kind of fit Simmons' mold who um, have actually gone out of their way to try and get a three-point shot, just actually for that purpose to keep teams honest. Um, so we've seen Giannis, who's shooting more and more threes. Obviously, Giannis is not shooting them at a high percentage, but... Um, I think it's just the idea of uh, the potential of being able to hit one of those shots. Because uh, if you have uh, no reason to, to guard or play the three-point line, you're just going to stand in the paint like LeBron was doing, and at that point your paint is going to become clogged up offensively. But when you are able to then bring your player out to guard you at the three-point line, then at that point uh, you're taking another body away from the paint, which means it's easier to, to get those lanes to be able to drive and you know set up your team in that sense. Um, so I think even if he, he doesn't hit them at a high volume, just the idea of, of there being a potential, because for example, um, you have someone like uh, Giannis, who, like I mentioned, he's not um, shooting them at a high clip in terms <coughs> of his percentages, but even hitting a three um, you know, here and there, uh, it, it keeps it, in the, in the opposing player's mind that, okay, this guy might be able to hit a jump shot over me, so I kind of have to guard him a little bit more. Uh, if I take a look here, he's average, he's uh, shooting about 24% from three, which is obviously not good at all. Um, but Wait, Simmons? Oh, no, I'm comparing him to, to Giannis right now. Oh, okay, okay. So Giannis is shooting it uh, 23% from three. Um, he's making... Shooting about two, two and a half attempts per game, making about one per game, a little bit under one per game. But I mean, just that threat right there might make a player guard you a little bit, you know, closer. Um, so that way, it just opens up the floor more. But if you're not making any of them at all, then at that point, a player has no in incentive at all to even guard you outside. So it just clogs up the the paint a little bit more, kind of limits what you can do offensively. I know the Sixers are still a pretty good team, but. <coughs> I think just the idea and the ability to go ahead and um, have that kind of game spread your offense, it definitely wouldn't hurt a player. No, okay. When you close it out like that, it wouldn't hurt a player. Yeah, I agree with that. I just don't think he really, like, he needs a three-point shot. Um, I, You said something there uh, as you were talking, like if you're not hitting them, then the defense doesn't have to respect, if you're not taking any at all, they don't have to respect you. But if you're not scoring any at all, they also don't have to respect you. He has not shown that he can hit a shot, like that he can hit a shot beyond the arc. Uh, yeah, it's, it's limited data, but given the fact that he's not even comfortable taking them in the first place, I don't think like he needs to now just start taking them um, because 
as we've seen in our limited data, he's not going to make them. And even if he does make one, is that going to make the defense like all of a sudden respect him and guard him at the three-point line? I think for that to happen, it's going to take Ben Simmons to go off for like four straight threes or something like that, or something crazy, which just seems impossible right now. Um, he's actually at 17-9-8. and eight. I think um, it's silly to say that anyone putting up that those numbers needs... Um, something in their offensive game. Um, can players improve? Yeah, any player, like, no no player's perfect. Um, any player can improve on their game. And, yeah, it'd be nice if he, if he could take threes, but I think ultimately what he more needs is just a jump shot, period. He, he just has to be able to to um, spread the floor, not necessarily from beyond the arc, but defense will respect him more if they know that he can score from beyond five feet. Um, so if he can even pull up from from the elbow even and score a mid-range shot consistently, I think that would go a long way um, in terms of how teams defend him, especially in the playoffs. But, I mean, I think the three-point is still a need, especially in today's NBA. I'm bringing back the honest example because that's the closest one we can use because Simmons hasn't really shot any many jump jump shots, so we can't really um, use his stats. But for example, a guy like Giannis, um, getting you it's zero point six. That's his stats right now. So if you do that um, over a seven game series, for example, that's four threes, right there. That's an extra twelve points for your team. That's over seven good. games. Exactly, over seven games. So that means that he might hit two a game, he might hit two another game. That right there is actually pretty beneficial, especially in the playoffs. But when, um, so when you say though, extra 12, I mean, you're not taking into account the, all, the, all of the misses, though. Whereas he could have just drove and got points there, and potentially more than 12 points. Well, yeah, he can. no one is saying he, he can't drive anymore, but... It's not like his attempts at the rim are going to go down if he starts shooting threes. Right? Uh, go on. I, well, no, I that's, that's what I, I was saying. I was saying that that's just extra opportunities that can give you more points instead of just driving to the basket. And I understand that, yeah, he's going to drive into the basket, but he's not even making it in any of his free throws. So right now, it's like, yeah, you'll drive to the basket. If you get to the rim, that's good. You'll get an easy bucket. If not, they'll follow you. You won't make your, your free throws. So I think there's actually a few needs in his game. But I do think that in today's NBA, you do need a three-point shot just to keep teams honest. We haven't seen that many players be able to contribute at a really high offensive rate without uh, <clears throat> being able to shoot a three-point shot. In today's NBA, that is. I think it's different with Simmons based on his situation. He's got other players around him that can shoot threes and score so I, I don't think he needs to be someone that shoots beyond the arc I just think he needs to be able to shoot a jump shot period um, as, as I said like yeah it's an extra 12 points a game over 7 series 7 game series if you're shooting .6 scoring .6 a game but you could not shoot any and potentially score more than 12 points if you put focus all your energy into f either feeding other people that can shoot threes or into taking it to the rack yourself and your attempts do go down um if, if you're focusing on trying to shoot threes as opposed to take it to the rim like your, your attempts will inevitably go down of um like taking the ball to the basket um and your your shot attempts inside the paint so i think yeah, having a shot is something that Simmons should... At this point in his career, he, he, I would say, is more closer to a need. Maybe if he was, you know, approaching his prime, um, or, like, you know, his mid-30s, that's something that he could add, because at that point, your athleticism is decreasing, and, um, yeah, you just need to be a more complete player overall to contribute. But at this stage, he's only 22, um, he's got now Tobias Harris around him. He's got Embiid that can shoot threes. He's got Redick, one of the best three-point shooters of all time. Um, 
Butler can not only shoot threes, but he can score from mid-range as well. I think, first things first, Simmons needs to add add a mid-range jumper, uh, just a jumper, just a jumper period. To that, that in itself will keep defenses honest because right now they are just literally standing under the basket and roaming almost LeBron defense style um, until he gives it up to someone else. But if he walks up and instead of shooting it from the arc with it having no chance of going in and then in comparison to dribbling it up to maybe the elbow and shooting it from there and start knocking that down consistently, that itself, I think, helps keep the defense a lot more honest than they, they are currently. Well, I think you're just kind of nitpicking at that point if you're comparing a jumper and a three-point shot. I mean, you're essentially saying the same thing, that he needs to shoot the ball from beyond range. I think we're essentially saying five feet. the same thing, that he needs to shoot the ball beyond the paint. And then we're basically saying the same thing here at this point. No, 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 no. I think those are two different things. Did you think he needs a three-point shot? I just think he needs to be able to shoot from beyond five feet. I don't think he necessarily needs to... Well, when's the last time we've seen a player that can shoot from mid-range and not from three-point? Dwayne Wade. But he's still shooting it from three-point range. Michael Jordan. They were all still shooting from three-point range. Not well. Not well. Dwayne so Wade was shooting he... from three point range, like, but not at all well. Like, even still, he's not. He doesn't shoot it from there well. So you're saying that he needs to improve his mid range shot, but then he doesn't need to actually shoot three pointers at all. And also, you have to keep in yeah, mind yeah, that yeah. today's NBA is changing. Michael Jordan's NBA, Dwayne Wade's NBA when he first joined is not the same NBA as today's NBA, where the three point shot is a more dangerous shot. It's a more lethal and vital shot for your game in today's. Offenses aren't the same. So comparing Dwayne Wade and Michael Jordan to now is not really something you can... Okay, is John Rondo? Okay, but is John Rondo enjoying any success really right now? I mean, he won a championship with only being able to... When did he win the championship? Uh, The Boston run 2010. 2010. That's not that far away. No, that was... No, that was... That was in like 2007. There, the Boston Championship. I, if not 2010, it was 20. Is it was a while I back. Think. It was a 2009 while. 2009 or 2010. No, 2009. That was. Um, I think that was the Heat run. No, because Heat, LeBron went to the Heat uh, Championship Finals. 2011 was the first one against Dallas. So the year before that, 2010. It was the Celtics-Lakers finals, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, that's when the Lakers won it with Pau Gasol. Okay, so Lakers won 2010, so I guess Celtics won in 09. And Ron is actually shooting 39% from three right now. Um, so, and even then... Um, right now, but I mean when he had success. Right, but once again, that was like 10 years, that was almost 10 years ago. The NBA has changed. I'm talking like right now, in today's NBA... As an offensive player, if Simmons wants to be an offensive player, he needs a three-point jump shot. What about Giannis? He's developing his three-point jump shot. He's actually attempting it. He's trying to get better. I think he does realize it is a need, which is why he's actually having all these attempts. Obviously, they're not all going down because he's still working on it. But he has realized that it is a need, which is why he's shooting so many attempts per game. But if Simmons takes more attempts per game and misses all of them, what good does that do? Well, look at Giannis. Has his play decreased since he's attempted more three-pointers? Uh, he's, at, he's attempting 2.53s right now, which is the most he's had in his career. Yeah. Would you say he's having the best season in the NBA right now he's ever had? Yeah, it exactly. It hasn't hurt him exactly. by any means. He's, he's, the one, he's the best. He's an MVP candidate right now. And exactly. So how can well. you say that averaging more three-point attempts is going to bring your game down? Because he hasn't hit any. If he averages two attempts and scores zero... For the whole year, two attempts per game, zero threes. How does that? I I just don't see how that adds anything. Well, it's just a wasted possession at it's, that point. It's showing that the, he understands as a player to be a better offensive threat that you need a higher, um, you need to increase your game. It's a need. You need to increase your game. You need to bring your overall game so that it's complete. So right now, what <coughs> we're seeing is that he's averaging more attempts from three to complete his offensive game. Because right now he's averaging the most attempts he's ever had. Okay. 
And he's also having the best career he's ever had. He's more efficient from two points from uh, mid-range. He's attempting. Um, his free throw numbers haven't changed. His scoring is about the same as last year. So it's not like it's it's decreased or anything like that. He's having a great he's having a great year. So it's not like averaging more threes is going to bring everything down. No, you're just showing that you're willing to polish your offensive game. And you're telling other th- other teams that I'm, you know, I'm willing to work on my game. I'm attempting more threes. Eventually they'll go. Sorry, eventually they'll go down. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna get worse by attempting more threes. With practice, you're gonna get better. Um, so, I think it's just a matter of time at this point before Giannis actually develops his game. And once he starts hitting these threes at a higher rate, he's gonna become unguardable. That's what everyone says about Giannis right now. He's basically unguardable right now. That doesn't happen for everyone. Like, not everyone just one day learns how to shoot threes effectively. No, but it's by repetition, right? You don't become a great shooter by shooting once or twice per game. You become a better shooter by doing it over and over. And that's what we're seeing from Giannis right now. What we're seeing from Giannis right now is he's scoring the basically the exact same amount of points per game as last year, and yeah, he's taking more attempts from three. So if he had, like, let's say he took less attempts from three and focused on scoring at the rim, where he's the best at it in the game, don't you think that he would maybe score more points per game instead of focusing on just getting up to two attempts of threes, three attempts? No, because then at that point, it'd be easier for teams to guard you as a player. Um, If you're guarding someone and you know that they can only pull up from mid-range or they can only play you in the paint, Mm -hmm. is it hard to guard them? Or is it hard to guard them if you know that now you have to worry about them shooting from three-point? I think it it depends on the player and what other skills he has. So back to Ben Simmons, no. Because if you you sag off of him... um, but he can shoot from within the arc, from anywhere within the arc, right? Like mid-range shots. I think you have to respect that. I don't think it has to go all the way for to beyond the arc for for that to be something that becomes a need in his game. I think as long as he can shoot without having it to be a dunk or layup, then that, that right there is, is a good enough. It's good enough. I think once once he does that... And if the team still isn't successful, then maybe you have an argument in terms of saying that it's a need. But um, if, as long as you surround him with enough three-point shooters, um, he'll be fine. He can. They'll run a lot of um, handoff action, like to Redick or to or you know Harris even, um, for them to get up the three-point shots that the team needs. And I rather have them shooting threes obviously more than Ben Simmons. Right, because they're they've been a, they've established themselves as three-point shooters. Mm-hmm. But if Simmons established himself as a three-point shooter, that's just one more offensive threat that your team can use. It's not detrimental to have that. It's just yes, the team can be successful without that, but it's just addition by addition. It's not addition by subtracting. You're not taking anything away. You're just adding more offensive firepower to your team. You're adding another three-point option. In today's NBA with teams just shooting lights out, you have the Warriors, the Rockets. Um, Teams are just, even the the Thunder now, they're just shooting threes like crazy. Everyone is shooting because it's now a matter of not stopping your team. And we're not seeing any more teams uh, opposing teams to 80, 90 points per game on defense. No, now the numbers are so high up. It's yeah. a matter of outscoring your team from three. That's what it comes down to now. Um, okay, so, but what, so what about Westbrook then? You brought up the Thunder. Westbrook averaging a triple-double, um, one of the worst three-point shooters in the league. Does does he need a three-point shot? Thunder are in Well, he's, he's had Well, he's been a decent three-point shooter in the past. It's just this year he has been down. I'm sure his team would be a lot more successful if he was a decent shooter. That's actually one of the main knacks that the, the Thunder has, is that they're just not shooting him well from three. But they still have success without him being able to do it, because I think um, he's able to, you know, now he focuses more on his passing, um, and he's obviously able to contribute a lot more stuff to his game. 
Um, but yeah, so we're, we're gonna have to wrap this up here. We may continue that another time. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening to our podcast. Bo- 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 Ballify NBA podcast. Can I try it out? Can I, can I try do it? Do it. Let's do it. Alright. Ballify. Let's go. Live from Toronto. We got the CN Tower right behind us. Thank you for checking our show out today. Um, make sure to search our code on SeatGeek. That's Ballify, B A L L I F Y, to get $20 off your purchase. And check our show out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. And keep up with us on Twitter at Ballify NBA. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening.